For the months of June and July, I will be preaching from the Psalms. The Psalms in the Old Testament are both the prayer book and the song book of the Bible. That for God's people throughout the centuries, they would have prayed these psalms. They would have sung them as they gathered for worship. And so each Sunday we will try to sing one of the psalms. I promise I won't make us sing Psalm 119 that is just 196 verses or something like that. We're not going to do that. And today we sang the words of Psalm 8, our sermon text. And Psalm 8 is a beautiful piece of poetry that reflects on one of the biggest questions in life. What is our place in the universe? That's a real big question. And these divinely inspired words of King David help us find the answer to that question, what is our place in the universe? As I look at this text in Psalm 8, I like to imagine that David came up with these words late one night as he was carrying one of his infant children out of the nursery or whatever nursery they had back then with its animal decorations. And he walked out onto the balcony on this clear night and looked up at the moon and all the stars and looked down at his child. And with that image in mind, these are the words that came to him by the Holy Spirit. And so let us turn to Psalm 8 this morning. And hear the word of God. Psalm 8, beginning in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we come to you hearing those words and saying and singing those words because they are so true. The earth is full of your glory, O God, and we thank you. And we ask, O Lord, that you would help us to hear your word today, that you would work through your powerful and transformative word. Lord, use me in spite of my sin and weakness to faithfully preach your word. And we ask, O God, that you would give us ears to hear and that you would go by your spirit and the power of your word to work in us, to draw us close to you, to turn us away from sin and help us to worship you as we hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Looking at Psalm 8, that question that I want on our minds is what is our place in the universe? 
The multiverse has been this big topic in movies and comic book stuff recently. We're just thinking about the universe. But what is our place here in this universe? Well, David gives us an answer. He's trying to make a point very quickly. And then we're going to look at that point and see how we mess it up, how it gets fixed, and then what we do about it. And so the point that David makes is pretty clear as you look at this psalm. He is looking at all the world around him. Specifically, he talks about the moon and the stars at night. And when he looks at creation, he cannot help but see God's glory. That God created all things. And the world is beautiful. The world reveals his power and majesty. It reveals his intricate planning and wisdom. And the point is made here at the beginning and end of the psalm. It's made like bookends of this song that God's name is majestic in all the earth. That creation brings glory to its creator. Now this observation is fundamentally challenged in our world today. That many who reject the idea of God believe that our world is a big accident. That we just happen to live in one possible universe, one possible world where life just happens to be sustainable. That particles collided throughout a vast, mostly empty, purposeless universe and eventually our planet just got to its current state. And what we as Christians may regard as an intelligent design, others would say is merely what was necessary for life to exist. Now, those are two very different ways of looking at the world. Is the universe the creation of a wise and good God? Or is it the product of trillions of random collisions of atoms? Many in our world would side with the latter, but King David surely sides with the former. And one of the reasons he can see the world as God's creation is by looking at humanity's place in the universe. He says it so beautifully in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When we look at all of creation, we can see how the naturalist, the person who doesn't believe in God, who believes it's all just chance, we can see how they arrive at the conclusion that humans are nothing special. Because we're mammals. We have to eat, drink, and sleep. We are born. We might reproduce. And we die. And so in some ways, we don't seem all that different from anything else on earth. We went to the zoo on Saturday, and I guess you could just throw a human in the zoo. Like, we'd kind of fit. I bet we'd smell bad enough after long enough. And yet, humans are so different from every other creation on the earth. Do you think that out in the oceans, a dolphin is swimming along thinking, what are dolphins that God is mindful of us? I don't think that. Do you think the honeybees are out there on the flowers contemplating the meaning of life? Probably not. Do you think those panda bears sit there and just chew on their bamboo wondering, why am I here? 
What is my purpose in life? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't. Human beings are not just specks of dust in a meaningless universe. We are creatures in this world, but we are more than that. And the Bible tells us early in Genesis, in the very first chapter, that we are distinct from everything else in all creation because we are made in the image of God. That we are the pinnacle of created things. That we have this image of God that is reflected in all sorts of ways. It is a moral image that we are moral creatures, unlike all of the other creatures on the earth. We are creative creatures, that we reflect God's image in the fact that we can create things. We are relational creatures. I know dog is a man's best friend, I get all that, but like we are even more relational than that. And we are also rulers. God has given us dominion over his creation. And so in all of these ways, we reflect God, we image him. He has made us a little lower than the heavenly beings by making us rulers here on earth. And David is looking at the vastness of the world, seeing the stars that he says God made with his fingers. That God's just like, that's a star right there. That's a star. Just with the tiny little fingertips. And he's like, me, in all this, humans, You've given us rulership over the earth. The majestic creator of all things crowns men and women with glory and honor, giving us dominion over his creation and instructing us to go and exercise that dominion, be fruitful and multiply and reflect my image. And you're kind of like, how's that going? That's not going so great. Think of all the stuff that we don't have dominion over on earth. We do not have dominion over the weather, as we have seen over the last two weeks, as anyone who's wanted rain has not received rain. Okay? We don't have it. We don't have dominion over natural disasters that seem to strike every month or so around the world. Sure, we have cured some diseases, but as COVID showed us, we do not have control over diseases and sickness. We certainly do not have dominion over death that eventually comes for all of us. We do not have dominion over this creation. There is so much outside of our control. But worse than all of those things that we can't control is the sad truth that what we really can't control is ourselves. That we don't have dominion over our own thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. We have done so many things that we regret. History, whether world history or your own personal history, is filled with careless mistakes and intentional wickedness. And even though God has crowned mankind with glory and honor, we have tarnished that crown. We have dishonored our Creator through what the Bible calls sin. It's our rebellion against the One who made us. Many today try to ignore the reality of sin. Many try to look for the good in people, that fundamentally humans are all inherently good. And I get why people do that. 
I get why we look for goodness. Who wants to say everyone's evil? Like, that's not really a great approach. No one wants to be that guy. And there is good to be found in people. But you cannot deny that we are not what we should be. You cannot deny the reality of sin. In fact, it seems every time the world gets really confident in itself in the goodness of man, the worst stuff happens. See, one of the most optimistic, if not the most optimistic period in history was right in the early 1900s as modernism is kicking in and education is ramping up. And during that age of history, it was believed that mankind was on our way to an era of peace and prosperity and self-actualization. And what actually happened was two world wars and genocide. Horrors unheard of. That's what was in man. Right now, we are living through a moment when many are championing humanity's goodness. Many trumpet words like tolerance and progress and inclusion. But those words are used to sweeten what is nothing more than a domineering attempt to reshape all the world and punish anyone who dissents. In this world where we can do anything, we have made ourselves more connected to one another than ever. And instead of finding ourselves in a global utopia, we are more polarized and more hateful than ever before. Things aren't going great. We were made in God's image, but that image is busted. Yet in spite of all that wickedness and sin, God still cares for us. He is still mindful of His image-bearing people. Our Old Testament reading from Genesis 9 that came after the flood that was because God, the world was so full of wickedness, we are told that men and women still bear the image of God. Yes, that image has been tarnished. It is now like one of those carnival mirrors that we distort God's image in grotesque ways, that yes, we are reflecting it, but it is a fractured, distorted, funhouse mirror. But God, in spite of our sin, has not given up on us. Strangely, God still chooses to work through humanity. You would think that after all this time, God would have just been fed up with men and women and been like, you know what? We're trying puppies. I'm going to make puppies in God's image because puppies are just about the cutest. And who is anti-puppy? Let's go with puppies. Or maybe not puppies. Let's, it would have been better if humans could fly. Let's work through the eagles gracefully soaring in the sky and I will redeem the world through the eagles. No, God still sticks with these messed up humans like us. You'd think He'd move on and yet all through the Bible, God says, I'm going to work through these people. This creation that was once at the top and has been just mired in sludge for so long. In Genesis 3, God promised after the fall, after Adam and Eve, after humans sinned, what was the hope? A human child of Eve, a descendant would come and crush the serpent. After the flood and everything, and God chose Abraham, and in spite of Abraham's sins, as we saw over the last few weeks, God's promise to him was, your offspring, in your offspring, all the earth will be blessed. In that human offspring, David 
was told when he was reigning as king, a descendant, a human descendant of yours will be king and rule over God's people. And you read those promises and you're like, God, you've got to stop trusting humans. Like, we, we are not really doing a good job. But one came along, specifically sent by God, to be the hope for humanity. And that was Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Psalm 8 does speak about humans in general and who we are meant to be, but we do not fit it perfectly because of sin. We don't do what God calls us to do, but someone has. Jesus. He came and perfectly fulfilled what we as humans were created to do. When Jesus came, He exercised dominion over creation, but He did not do it in mean, vindictive power. Jesus came as an infant, making Himself a little lower than the angels who were at His command. And though His rightful place was at the right hand of the Father, He took on human flesh and perfectly imaged God for us through His obedience to God's commands. He was exactly perfectly reflecting God's character to us. And though He was the perfect human, the rest of us tarnished image bearers sentenced Him to die. Yet Jesus did not exercise dominion over us then and there. He let Himself be subject to our wickedness. He did so because it was through His death that He took on Himself the curse against our sin. In the expression of ultimate, mindful, tender care for these creatures, Jesus died in our place to redeem us from sin and restore in us the image that we had tarnished, to work in us by the Spirit to make us more like Him. See, it is only in Christ that we can know our place in this universe. Only in Christ can we fulfill what we were created to be, those who bear God's image here on earth. Our New Testament reading from Ephesians 1 says that Christ, who reigns over all, was given to the church. And not just as an example on here's how to be a good human. We already had that. Here's all the rules. Couldn't follow Him. He was given to us so that He could empower us to live as redeemed image bearers. So how do we do that? as people who know the image of God is tarnished in us, and yet we trust in Christ and want to be filled with the Spirit to better bear God's image, what can we do to live in the way that we are meant to live, to fulfill our place in the universe? Well, I want to suggest four quick ways we can reflect God's image better. First, we can worship God as our Creator. All of God's creatures, no matter what they are, I guess even spiders, can glorify God. And we do so by praising our Maker, being caught up in awe at His loving care for us and the world. See, David in the psalm was captivated by God's greatness and His tenderness. His greatness in all that He could do, and yet the fact that He still cared about little old Him. And so we praise God as our Creator. We worship Him, for He is worthy. That's the first thing. The second thing we could do is exercise dominion over the earth as stewards of God's creation. Christians have often seen themselves in opposition to environmentalists 
which is both understandable and weird. Because if God has given us dominion over the world, then we should absolutely try to take care of the world. But we should take care of it with the recognition that the world was created for mankind. We should not just see ourselves as like any other creature that exists out there. No, we have been set over them. But that comes with responsibility as ones who are exercising wise and faithful and loving dominion over the natural world. And so we can exercise dominion over God's creation. That's the second thing. Third, we can reflect God's glory by obeying His commands. That as people made in His image, we are meant to reflect that image through our holy character. We don't follow our hearts. We obey His Word as it's revealed in Scripture. We pray for the Spirit to help us obey. That we would better reflect God as our Creator as we try to exercise dominion over ourselves. Dominion over our sinful thoughts, attitudes, and actions. And so we reflect God's glory through obedience. And then fourth, I would encourage us to point people to the evident truths in our world that testify to its Creator. In a time when so many people do not believe that God created the heavens and the earth, let us not be ashamed to say that. Let us not be ashamed of how God has made the world and made mankind. Instead of finding optimism in humanity and our ability to get better, let us find our optimism in God, in the one who has the power to transform us to live as we were meant to live. See, Psalm 8 here beautifully testifies to us who God is. Let us testify in that way as well. Let us not tell others that God is some far off being who created us and left us alone. Let us not testify that God is some vengeful God waiting to stamp us out like some annoying pest He made. Our Creator is a majestic, promise-keeping God who shows that by stepping into creation and suffering for us so that He might reshape us to live as we were created to live. Being those image bearers, reflecting His glory, living more and more like Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that you would help us to live better as your image-bearing creatures. Help us to reflect the glory of Christ through our holiness, in our words, our attitudes, our thoughts, and our actions. Help us to love this creation to even those who are living with tarnished images, who reject you and rebel against you. Help us to love them And call them to see that they have been created to live in a different way. To tell them of the goodness of the God who has made them and calls them back even now. Lord, we pray that you would bless us. That you would help us to be less like funhouse mirrors distorting your image. And help us to be more like a perfect mirror. Reflecting your goodness and love to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.